What's going on, everyone? Back here today, another Monday, another podcast, but really excited for this topic. I'm back in the thinking chair at home after an interesting set of days, so I'm excited to to talk again. Um, and the topic I do want to talk about today is is the contrast between pontification and action and problem solving. So it's something that I've talked about before and have hit on a few times in various conversations and centered podcast episodes and stuff like that. But today really wanted to focus on it, you know, with the the time that I've spent working in schools, the time I've spent working with teachers, the time I've spent discussing with administrators and stuff like that. I've had lots of conversations which do hang out in the clouds, that hang out kind of in the higher concepts and, and the upper grasps of, of, you know, we should do these things or these are our problems and, and, and these are the recurring things that happen over and over and over again. And we continue to worry about them and we ask the same questions over and over and over, but we don't necessarily ever get to thinking about the real practical things that we can actually do and that we should be doing. And that's the issue that, that I really want to discuss is we do often ask these high-level questions, these big abstract questions, which can serve a purpose, of course, especially if they haven't been thought about before. But when they get asked recurring and recurring over and over and over again in that same way, and people continue to give the same answers. We need to rethink. Excuse me. We need to rethink that approach. We need to to do things differently. We need to put ourselves in positions where we're not just staying in the same abstract bubbles. We're not staying in our same, you know, echo chambers with sound and, and, and to block out what's going on outside. Instead, we need to take those questions and go through steps of breaking them down. So, for example, if you ask a big question like, what is the problem with student motivation, for example, uh, to, to take from the work that I'm doing? We can hang out in the what is the problem with student motivation cloud where we can have discussions and we can continuously talk about all of the different things that are going on, right? We can talk about A, B, C, X, Y, Z, and all the letters in between. We can talk about all the different things that are going on, which are bad, which are leading to a lack of students' motivation to do anything, right? However, those conversations never lead to the second step, which is, all right, you've listed all of these questions and you, you've listed all of these issues that are going on and, and what is what you think and what your hypotheses are leading to this lack of motivation. However, when thinking about that lack of motivation, we're not thinking about all of those things and we're not picking which ones are the most high leverage and which ones are within our control. So Oftentimes, a big one is, all right, so the parenting isn't that good. So when the kid goes home, they're not in a good environment. So that is a strong determinant of the student not being motivated in school. Okay, that's out of our control as a school. So that shouldn't be talked about anymore. Or 
that should be saved to be talked about when you address the issues that are in your control. So let's pick out which ones are in our control. So student motivation could come from the way the classroom is set up, how engaging the teacher is, how their peers are. It could be set up by the, the class schedule, so how often they're moving between classes and how long or short the class time is. It could come down to their, their time for lunch. It could come down to um, their lack of sleep. It could, could come down to their desire to do other things. It could come down to them not being confident. It could come down to them not thinking it's valuable. All of those things are definitely pieces of that puzzle. However, we oftentimes, like we have seen as this recurring theme is, we just leave those there. But we don't take the step to say, oh, we have A through M, but, you know, C and F, which may be students don't think that the classroom material is valuable. We can pull C down and say, okay, this is something that we can measure. This is something that we can learn about in our students if we take the time to assess it. And then when we assess that information, we can take it down and say, okay, we've assessed this and we know how it's relating to students' outcomes and we, we see how students are doing with that. However, we can take that information and say, okay, how can we provide more value to students? How can we make students think that this experience is more valuable? So this could come down to changing the curriculum or changing the way in which the classroom is designed to make it a more valuable experience for students, to make students have to find connections to relevant things in their life on their own, or you could introduce uh, a small intervention or worksheet where students can start to work through ways in which they and their peers find that work to be valuable. Or you could just let it be and say, okay, this is a product of whatever class I'm teaching and that's it. And hopefully you do not select C, uh, option C of those, those three options that I just listed. But these are things that you can do, right? And once you address the value question in the classroom, you're, you're saying, okay, I feel confident. I'm, I've been doing this and this has been good. This is something I've advanced a lot in over the course of this year or this semester. And when you advance that, you can say, okay, we have this in place now to address this question. However, the student motivation is still lacking, even though it has improved. And then you can go back up into that set of A through M things that are in your control. And C is done now because we took that and threw it out. However, E could be how confident students feel and how much confidence they have in themselves regarding that specific coursework. So what could we do to address that problem? And you go through the same procedure that I just discussed for providing students with more value. So this could come down to you know, changing the way the classroom is designed, changing the way in which um, you interact with your students, changing how you praise or, or, or how you tell students that they're doing a good job. You could help students think differently to process their successes and failures in a different way, like adopting a growth mindset and have, displaying growth mindset behaviors and modeling different behaviors as a teacher and having students do maybe a small intervention where they write about different times in which they've asked questions or they failed and it's been a positive experience for them. 
all of these sorts of activities could lead to students becoming more confident. So then you, you have another piece of the puzzle that you can work on and refine and figure out how you're doing there. And it's something you can measure as well. So you have all of this, right? And you have these two, which are done. And then you can go back up into that hat. You can pick one, you can work on it, do that same iteration process, which I just described, and over and over and over and over again, we can make these improvements, especially over time. But the key theme for this talk that I want to get to is you're not just staying in the clouds. You know, you're not just staying in what the problems are. You're not just staying in what the issues are, but you're getting down to the core issues of what's going on, the high leverage issues. You're taking down those high leverage issues and you're taking them and you're addressing them in some way. So you're saying, how can I decrease the negative effects of this problem? And that comes through those specific behaviors, interventions, or whatever you want to call them. And that's really what I want to get at is how can we start to think about solutions, try things, and then assess their effectiveness as well. Look at how effective they are. See if they're actually helping to get closer to ameliorating that big problem that you had at the beginning. So this is really the concept of this talk. And I think it it can absolutely be applied to anything in life, anything for anyone. How can we make positive change? And that's going to come from actually wanting to not just pontificate, but to get into the actual changes themselves and how we can implement possible solutions and think through them and talk through them and, and, and trial run them and, and being open to failing with them and being open to saying, oh, it's not going to be perfect the first time. However... If you do think through those things, if you look through the examples of others, if you do positive behaviors that can, uh, over time, lead to the amelioration of those higher leverage themes that you're focusing on, then you can get to those points. So I really hope that you can all take something away from this because for me, you know, this process is so critical and so important. And when I've seen teachers do this when i've seen people do this in their lives i've seen it be so effective don't just think about things in the clouds take it down grab it play with it figure out what the most important parts of that ball which is the problem figure out how all of those things interact what's what are the most important parts and address those most important parts and work on all of the parts in iterations and see how that works out so thanks for tuning in I hope this is valuable and I'd love to hear your feedback on, your feedback on it. Um, thanks so much. Much love and I'm looking forward to the next one. Cheers.